0: looking forward to getting back to normal now that the pandemic is officially over welcome to 100pod one and all to episode 408 of Hand of Pod. It's coming at you a little bit later than planned. It was supposed to be last week, but I was slightly under the weather. So um, rather than destroy my throat by pushing it through an hour or two of recording, I decided to just call it off and do it this week instead. Uh, I'm Sam Kelly, and I'm joined by English Dan.
1: Hello, Sam, and welcome, everybody. I'm guessing we might even be looking at a live recording soon, though. Uh, presidential
0: recording moment fingers crossed i was um i got an email today to uh offer me a second an appointment for my second vaccine all of the spots that they offered were in uh usina del arte which is on the other side of the city and is a venue that's it's not in a great area the last time i went to something there i got mugged on the way out so i'm not going there uh tomorrow public transport uh, yeah i mean getting there's a pain in the ass and there's a non-zero chance that you'll get held up at knife point or something when you're waiting for the bus afterwards so um yeah i'm gonna wait for them to send me another email so we're still at least two and a bit weeks away from uh me being fully immunized and therefore being able to record but it might be a little bit closer than it was um in the meantime I, i had astrazeneca so theoretically the longer the wait i have for the um second dose the more powerful that second dose is when i finally get it so you know that's a bonus anyway um Anyway, we're just two of us this week recording, Uh, neither Santin or Tony nor Andres, nor any of the others who never recall to respond to my emails anyway, were able to make it. Um, But that's all right. We more or less know what we're doing. And we have to catch up on quite a lot of action. There have been three rounds of league matches since we last recorded, but probably more of a headline grabber is the fact that we have also had three rounds of World Cup qualifying action. Although, of course... We haven't quite had three rounds of World Cup qualifying action in Argentina's place, as some of you may be able to remember.
1: Now, what would it be? 2.0708, something like that?
0: Yeah, they were, was it five minutes in? Five minutes, yes. So, yeah, point I'll go for. That, that sounds about right, doesn't it? Because nine minutes would be exactly I'm point such one. A
1: stick this, I'm such a stick.
0: Indeed. Yeah. I mean, Correct. I'm a proofreader, so, you know, you've got to have a, an eye for detail. Um, so we're going to talk about that first of all. The World Cup qualifying in the Conmebol round, the the matches that Argentina actually played went well for them. Um, just trying to remind myself what the results were. Uh, Venezuela won, Argentina three was the first one, and then after the Brazil fiasco, which we will of course talk about a bit, Argentina got a three nil win over Bolivia. Lionel Messi scoring all three goals to overtake. First draw level and then overtake, wasn't it? Pelé as the most goal scoring man in the history of South American international football. He's still got quite a way to go to catch Marta, who is the overall top-scoring South American in international football. She has 109 goals and Messi is on 80 exactly now. So um, if it were most other forwards, I'd be doubting whether he'd get there. I believe he also passed.
1: Batistuta in the World Cup qualifying scoring
0: its rankings.
1: Uh, I can't remember if Batistuta was top, but I do know that Messi is now
0: more. Him. Oh, nice! Right? Yeah, Batistuta, I think was. Uh, yes, I think he was, wasn't he? It was. It was the oh. one category in which he was still ahead of him. Um, I'd missed that that he'd on. overtaken him. Um, I guess that is, we have to begin though with what happened. In São Paulo, um, where I mean, Brazil. Don't know
1: what happened yet? I mean, it's it was incredible, just absolutely incredible. I mean, I always know something significant happened in South American football, usually something absolutely disastrous, because that's when um, the foreign media start calling um, and they want to do radio interviews, and and all that with you. be that's kind of when you get to mention because. I think I don't know if it happens to you, Sam. Like sometimes you just kind of you grow quite a thick skin when it comes to, uh, to madness in South American sport. Like things that were kind of are very unusual. You you just brush off, but but once you realise you know people from the UK, the US are saying what the fuck happened here? Uh, it's not a bad benchmark for just knowing that everything just went down the
0: toilet. No, indeed. Um... Obviously, we're we're a little more removed from it now, um, so we can have a go at piecing together some of what happened, uh, roughly. Well, although I don't think the FIFA um, gone.
1: I was just going to say I'll, I can tell this later. No, I've gotten. I'll track it now. because it's kind of a fun postscript to this story, which we're about uh, to tell. I don't know if you saw this today.
0: No, I haven't done. If it's today, then I've not seen it. So go ahead.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, you must have seen that over in New York at the moment. There are a lot of presidents and and whatnot because it's a UN General Assembly.
0: Um, okay. Yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I was
1: uh, You're very sure. Um. Sorry. UN General Assembly. One of the countries, of course, that went is Brazil. Uh, that well-known, you know, ultra careful, ultra strict anti-Covid nation as they have been um, Oh yeah, I saw for about 72 hours either side of saw um,
0: Bolsonaro's uh, speech yesterday, yeah
1: Yes Uh, and while in New York his health minister tested positive for Covid um, (laughs) which wasn't ideal Uh, so what Anvisa, the now famous infamous Anvisa said was that all of the delegation you know, um, logically enough, would have to isolate when they get back to Brazil because they spent an entire week with someone who's tested positive uh, COVID. Uh, this didn't apparently go down well with Bolsonaro, who exclaimed um, when finding out what, what do I look like to you, in Argentine? When he was told um, he'd have to quarantine.
0: Fantastic. Did, did he also claim that they caught it off Emiliano Martinez?
1: Uh, I didn't see that, but I'd like to think that was <laughs> the case. Just... So, uh, anyway, carry on.
0: Clearly, uh, everybody, you know, there there, there there are parties on each side who've made a mistake here. I don't, I don't <laughs> both sides in this after you know some of the um some of the actions that have been justified by use of the term parties on both sides in the last couple of years around the world is is a bit extreme, perhaps. Um, but I think we can say, like, even a, a strongly Argentina-supporting podcast like this can admit that clearly somebody at the AFA screwed up in some way, um, In however minor. It, it looks as if what's what happened from the AFA's point of view was that there was an online form to fill out, the, the landing forms that you have to fill out, you know, whenever you fly anywhere, really, internationally. Uh, If you've been on a flight, then you'll know the experience. Um, They've been moved online. And so the AFA had to fill everything out in advance. And there was a box for countries that you have, the country of origin of your flight, which in Argentina's case was Venezuela, and then other countries you have been in recently. Um, And what the Brazilian authorities had expected to see was for Argentina to clarify whether any of their... You know where where there are the, the the various members of their parties have been in the last fourteen days, and whoever was filling out the form at Argentina's end seemed to think that this was an optional box that it didn't need I to mean, be. It was an
1: optional box in the sense of in uh, in a technical way on online forms. You know, you yes, clearly
0: they were able it, to fill in the online and form and then advance without filling it box. in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. So they didn't mention that that Argentina's four international players who play in the most watched league in the world and were traveling as professional footballers to play in a professional football match and who, you know, you would think the immigration people at Sao Paulo Airport were aware of who they were checking in, given that it arrived on a ch- private charter as well, rather than on a public flight. Um, they didn't mention that these four players have been in the United Kingdom, which is part of Brazil's red list for As far as I can work out, basically reciprocity, right? The whole of South America is on the UK's red list. So Brazil red lists the UK uh, in return. Um, Brazilian citizens, by the way, are apparently exempt from this, uh, which is why uh, Andreas Pereira was able to be loaned from Manchester United to, is it Flamengo? And arrive and just start playing right away. He didn't have to quarantine for two weeks. Um,
1: This is a strange thing because... There seems to be a lot of confusion even in Brazil about who's eligible and who's not because Avisa, after this game, said, um, no, Brazilians coming from the UK have to have to quarantine too. And in fact, they made, um, they made William miss a game you know, after moving from, moving to Corinthians. Um, he ended up having to push his baby back a week because Avisa said, no, you should have quarantined when you got here. Uh, you have already been training for a week. So, um, uh, so after quarantine, you go, and, and I don't know if this is just, you know, posturing because they looked a little bit silly uh, after the Argentina episode, or if it actually was their rule and they just forgot to, uh, to enforce it in other cases. Um, I was reading today in a, a different one that now Brazil are planning to ask for exceptions to the quarantine in order to. Uh, be able to call up their Premier League players in the next World Cup qualifiers, something which they didn't do uh, before the September qualifiers um, because apparently it was unnecessary at that point. So it's kind of the, the situation you're coming up against, you know, um, hyper-bureaucracy against, you know, a guy, some, some person in the Argentina delegation who had to sit down in front of his laptop and fill out 40 different forms um and just decided fuck it, I'm not doing anything optional. You know, I'm just gonna, you know, as we all do, as we've all done, I'm sure, just tick the the star boxes and and get it done. I'm sick of this. Uh and yeah, those two clashed in farcical fashion. Uh, I mean I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Someone uh now, there was one case um which came up. It wasn't exactly the same. Um, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, uh, Ecuador's Ener Valencia, who ended up having to feign injury in the middle of a qualifier and an escape on, a, on an ambulance car. Oh, so I've forgotten about that, stadium yeah. Uh, to get my brother, um child support, like unpaid child support.
0: <laughs> yes, I've totally forgotten about that. Well remembered. Um,
1: equally ridiculous a situation in this.
0: So the I next thing,
1: sort of
0: thing, the next thing chronologically that, that happened was that, well, Brazilian immigration who they claim, or Anvisa claim, shouldn't have allowed uh, Emiliano Martinez, Emiliano Buendia, Giovanni Lo Celso, or Cristiano Romero into the country at all. They should have just been turned back, apparently. This is according to Brazilian law, but it's also worth just a little insertion here to pointing out that Conmebol and FIFA had are both or were both on the day insisting that they had secured um, exceptions from all of the South American governments to these regulations. So, you know, when the World Cup qualifiers uh, kicked off again and in order to play the Copa America, the various governments across the continent had to sign up to saying, yeah, if you're a professional footballer, then we will allow you to come in and play. Um,
1: Yeah, I think the specific agreement is that in lieu of a quarantine, Um, you get seventy-two hours on foreign soil, and then you have to get out.
0: Yeah, and obviously in a in a bubble the whole time. Yeah, Um,
1: because under Argentine law, everyone would have to do quarantine. quarantine, Yes,
0: uh, indeed,
1: actually actually isn't the case because Bolivia didn't have to do it, or um, any other countries didn't have to do it. So.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. And, and I think under Chilean law as well, because I saw a few people pointing out that Brazil have benefited from this agreement a few days previously when they played away in Chile with their
1: yeah.
0: their whole team. Obviously not including, you know, the guys in Eng- England who they would normally have called up, but uh, Chilean law would normally have, have required all of them to isolate as well. Um, now, the next thing that happens is that apparently Brazilian immigration spend... Argentina arrived at first thing in the morning on the Friday. The match was on the... Sunday wasn't it um, and apparently Brazilian immigration took a day and a half or a, a day and several hours at least to corroborate the evidence that these players have been in the United Kingdom within 14 days of their date of arrival in Brazil uh, which again is stretching credibility a little bit when you bear in mind that the matches are televised that it's incredibly easy to find out who these guys are that they checked the passports supposedly as well. Um, They went to the Argentina team hotel while the Argentina team themselves were training at the stadium and they spoke to a few officials. And what I read shortly in, in sort of three or four days after the match had happened was that at that meeting uh, the AFA officials who were there came away with the very distinct impression that they had an agreement with the Brazilian authorities that they were going to say, look, we messed up it was an innocent mistake uh as a gesture of goodwill they were going to make a request to rather than you know making a big fuss and going to fifa and saying look they're they're not giving us the exception that you'd already made them sign up to that argentina as a gesture of goodwill we're going to go to the brazilian health ministry and say please can we have an exception for these four players uh they're here as professional sportsmen we're not breaking the bubble and everything else and it was, list- you know, it, one of the guys told Lanacion off the record, we had the impression that, you know, this is fine. The match is going to be played. Don't worry about it. Um, one of the members of the Brazilian health ministry who was in that meeting was the person who then signed the letter the following day, denying Argentina this exception, um, which they decided to action by, first of all, uh,
1: <sighs> this is the
0: really confusing bit, right? What actually happens on the day? Because they went to the hotel, they went to the team hotel but seemingly didn't do anything to stop those guys leaving the team hotel. They then follow them down the motorway, didn't do anything to stop them going into the stadium, and then eventually wander onto the pitch with a gun, one of them, five minutes into the match. it it it, it, it It's all orchestrated, that bit, right? I mean, whatever's gone on previously, the, the mistake that the AFA made, the mistakes, if there were indeed mistakes made, um on the part of Brazilian immigration, the, the final decision to cause the match to be called off in the manner that it was, was orchestrated. They, I can't work out any other way in yeah, which they, they didn't yeah. do that on purpose.
1: No, absolutely. Uh, I completely agree. And um, I think there's also records that the yeah, visa people, you know, far from racing the Arena Corinthians are not making it and having to go on like they were actually in the stadium I think about 45 minutes before kickoff, there's a there's a registry you know of, um, of official entries at, at the stadium and and that's pretty clear that the officials were there while Argentina were, were still in the dressing room so um, and I must say like what I've heard I think reading really from uh, in global even in Brazil the, the fact was that it wasn't so much that Argentina were were rejected; it's that they made a the request, and because Argent, because Brazil was on a on a four day weekend for their Independence Day, it just didn't get answered, <laughs> um, which is quite incredible. I mean, obviously, when you're talking about you know not answered, is the same as rejected in in the circumstance, but I think it's clear that there were just a string of miscommunications of confusions of you know one body not knowing what the other one was doing even within the same brazilian government you know people just trying to flex the authority without really knowing what the laws were and and just uh, an entire chain of basketball events which which ended up in in the worst way possible um i don't think anyone on, on any sides of this really comes away uh, smelling the roses is, is at the start there's been to blame on all sides but uh, it just didn't look good for Brazil I think more than anything um,
0: no indeed the...
1: having a game as well the magnitude of Brazil Argentina we're into that fashion
0: yeah I mean it, it's also worth mentioning now because we're obviously going to get into what we think might happen I, I guess we'll have to do it quite briefly because don't really have much of a clue what's going to happen until the announcement um, but it is worth mentioning that the CBF, the, the Brazilian uh Football Federation Confederation, sorry um, don't appear to have really had anything to do with this, they, they seem to have been just as clueless as to what was going to happen as the AFA were um, to such an extent that there have been some conspiracies flying around that this was all done because Jair Bolsonaro is um arguing and, and is is no you know friend of the CBF themselves at the moment and he wanted to make them look bad as well. Um from Argentina's point of view, the the good news, which you're probably all aware of, but if you're not because you were hoping for an episode of Hand the Pod to fill you in on what the hell had gone on, I'll tell you now. Um is that the referee's official report of the incident states that the match was called off by force majeure. And Conmebol's and FIFA's um, official match observer, who was in the stadium, has said that when Argentina left the pitch after these guys wandered on, uh, that was at his and the referee's request. So it, it looked on the TV pictures as if Argentina were you know taking it upon themselves and walking off um but apparently um argentina were walking off having been asked to brazil were also asked to to leave the pitch at the same time but obviously didn't they carried on and stayed on the pitch and and kept arguing um but because of that indeed yeah they they then later started training i guess to you know they they need to put something on because various fans had also paid for their tickets of course to to be there um but because of the fact that, Argentina, that, according to the referees match report, it was force majeure and not Argentina or indeed Brazil abandoning the match. Um, there's no hard and fast thing about, you know, oh, well, team A abandoned and therefore team B should be given the points or anything. Um, there is a I, I saw somebody mentioning the day after that there's a CONMEBOL rule, which we know about, of course, from the Libertadores and Sudamericana. Um, that states that uh, any abandoned match has to be completed or replayed within 72 hours for it to be valid but that is a CONMEBOL rule it's not a FIFA rule and obviously this is a World Cup qualifier it's not a CONMEBOL match so as far as I'm aware and and if you ask me to bet on what's going to happen I would guess that Brazil versus Argentina is going to be played at some point rather than Argentina being awarded a walkover Um, I think Brazil being awarded a walkover is, is, as far as I'm aware, just isn't a possibility at all. Um, mm-hmm. Argentina being awarded a walkover seemed to be something that the AFA wanted to hint to their media people was a distinct possibility because they were like, look, Ball and FIFA are on our side here. They know that we've not done anything wrong. But I think it would, in spite of FIFA's rules about uh, you know non-government interference in matches and in FAs being run and stuff, um, Given what a shit show this was all round, I think it would seem very, very harsh uh, on Brazil. Funny, though, it would be to see Brazil officially lose their all-time unbeaten World Cup qualifying home record in this manner. Um, it would seem quite harsh on Brazil to award this as 3-0 to Argentina. So my guess is that at some point, when they can find a gap in the calendar, uh, they will try to play Brazil versus Argentina. When that could be, I don't know. Uh, Dan, any... Do you agree or do you reckon something else might happen?
1: No, I think you're along the right lines. Um, should, we should say for the record that it's unlikely to change much no matter what um, what resolution is, is arrived at because by all accounts, it looks like Argentina and Brazil are going to waltz through qualifying. I mean, uh, Brazil have won eight of their... They're eight games. Argentina, five out of eight, drawn another three, unbeaten still. Um, They are 11 and five points clear of the fifth place and the playoff spot respectively and that's with the game in hand. So it looks like neither of them are going to have any trouble qualifying, uh, which is why, you know, my own personal theory with absolutely nothing to back it up, except for instinct is that they will at least... You know, say they're going to replay the game, uh, but I don't think that's going to be the same as actually playing it. I wouldn't yeah, be surprised sure. if they just, you know, say you know TBD, 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 The second Brazil and then Argentina confirm they're qualified, just sweep it under the carpet and just, uh, we won't bother. Leave that <laughs> leave it for another qualifier. It's fine.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a distinct possibility to me. I, I, I would agree. Um,
1: Probably the easiest way, to be honest, like the least controversial
0: way, just pretend the game doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Uh, the The other interesting question, obviously, is is what this does for next months. I mean, when's the next round of uh, the next double header begins? In like triple header, sorry, begins in what two and a half weeks or something, doesn't it? Um, Uh, Two
1: weeks exactly.
0: Two weeks today. Two weeks on Monday.
1: Two weeks
0: on Monday. So you know, because at the moment, as far as I'm aware, the I say the big European leagues, but of course most most to the point the English Premier League still haven't stood down from their not releasing any players nonsense. Um, for which, I can't remember whether I said this before, but the leagues who are saying that, including the English League um, and the Premier League and the Championship need to be told that the FAs that run those leagues or that oversee those leagues need to be told look, you signed up to FIFA's rules when you played when you started playing FIFA competitions if you want to play in this World Cup then you have to release the players this this is you know it's it's one of the central rules that FIFA has been run by and that international football has been run by for decades Um, you can't imagine England you know if, if England had a World Cup qualifier Imagine if England had a World Cup qualifier against Brazil, right? It's it's impossible. But let's imagine that World Cup qualification is global. England have got a World Cup qualifier against Brazil. Half of Brazil's team play in the Premier League and England go, no, sorry, but we're not going to release those players. So full-strength England get to play against a bunch of, uh, no offence, but half-strength Brazilians. Uh, it's, it's, It's not on at all. And the fact that it's affecting competitions that England aren't involved in doesn't really justify it anymore.
1: No, absolutely. Um, I think, from what I've read recently, there's, there's going to be a change of the rules in the UK, right? that instead of this red list by the start of October, they're changing to a more vaccine-based approach? Or They I'm are, but
0: from what I've seen, the whole of South America is still going to be on the red list, in spite of the fact that the UK now has 20 times as many new cases as we have here in Argentina, with just oh,
1: enough types of the population. I don't was that... Um... That they would let people with double vaccinations in, apart from if you've got the vaccine, the vaccine in South America, Asia, Africa, most of the
0: most of the world, the global South basically. It's you know as long as you're not from, yeah. as long Which as you're not from a shit. poor country, yeah. then it's then shit. you're allowed it's
1: in. Despicable, but I assume all of these guys who play in, in England, in or Argentina, Brazilian got their jab in in England.
0: Well, here's the thing, right? I'd assume yeah, I'd assume that when project restart and the various equivalents happened in Europe that, that a lot most of the players have been sorted but apparently there are significant numbers of elite footballers who haven't been vaccinated still. Uh you know there are pretty I I'm, I'm trying to think of a polite way to say this that there are pretty low information demographic at times footballers, right? Um, yeah, indeed and and a lot of them, you know, perhaps with a little bit more justification, a lot of them don't want to uh uh have to take days off from training due to you know side effects or I mean I had AstraZeneca and it completely knocked me out for about a day and a half after I had it um but also a lot of them are you know I I I was told about some interview that that someone I vaguely know had done or had read with an unnamed member of, of the um backroom staff at Brighton and he basically said, we get them for about three or four hours a day in the morning, and then the rest of the day, they don't have anything to do, so they go home and spend it all online reading conspiracy theories, and before you know it, you've got this bunch of complete fucking idiots that you've got to try to convince, no, just get the vaccine. Um, you know, if, if I was the owner of a Premier League football team, then I would be writing it into new contracts now, saying, you know, if there's ever a pandemic in the future and there's a vaccine that can put an end to it, you're getting it because you're one of our assets once we you sign a contract with us. Um, but you know, most players don't have this, this sort of stuff. Uh, and one of the reasons that I found this out was that when Lionel Messi was in Miami after the Copa America, him and his wife went into a vaccine center. And when they came out, his wife had a plaster over the bit of the arm that the vaccine was on. And so there was lots of stuff here. I'm sure you saw it down about, uh, oh, you know, Antonella might've, might've been vaccinated. Uh, maybe Messi was as well, but we don't know because he was wearing a T-shirt, which covers up the relevant bit of the arm, so you can't see whether he's wearing a plaster or not. And I remember sort of saying to somebody who I knew then, like, "But surely he was vaccinated months ago in Barcelona, wasn't he?" And apparently not. Um, I didn't see that. I must admit. So uh, it's it that. it ought to be a given, but I wouldn't necessarily assume that all of them have been vaccinated in the UK. Um, or really you know, in, in Spain or, or France or Italy or yeah. Portugal or actually, no, France uh, was not one of the leagues that that uh, put these restrictions up, was it? It was England, Italy, Spain, and Portugal and were the and
1: ones. Spain
0: let the let the guys travel. Yeah, well, Spain lost the court of arbitration for sport appeal, didn't they? To to somebody, I can't remember which FA brought it. Um, yes. But yes, anyway, we, we'll we'll see. Basically, I I think that. I mean, first of all, there's no real reason that footballers should be above the rules. I want to make that clear. But FIFA, having agreed with FAs, that footballers are going to be above the rules. And if you accept that the World Cup is happening in December of next year and that the qualifiers have to get played, then everybody has to play by the rules they've signed up for. Um, So, yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll have a less eventful and a more football-y chat after the next set of World Cup qualifiers. Uh, the two matches Argentina played... Come again?
1: I said I wouldn't put my house in it.
0: No, nor would I. Yeah. But uh, we we live in hope. The two matches that Argentina actually played, I don't know how much of them you can remember, Dan. I'm just reminding myself now of Venezuela versus Argentina, which was 3-1. Venezuela's goal coming from a, if I remember rightly, slightly iffily awarded penalty on Jefferson Sotelo right at the very end. Uh, but goals there from Lautaro Martinez, Joaquin Correa and Angel Correa, um, the two Correa not brothers scoring within a couple of minutes of each other after coming off the bench, um, about 15 minutes, 16 minutes into the second half, which, you know, if if ever there was an illustration of the fact that Lionel Scaloni appears to have actually managed to start making substitutions that work occasionally.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's promising at least.
0: He's learning to read the match. And then Bolivia, of course, we've already mentioned. 3-0 with a Lionel Messi hat-trick uh, in the Monumental and with fans, the first yes. match in Argentina That's to have fans present. Oh, and stuff. It's all
1: very exciting. Yeah. you You cynic like I am. But, you know, it's nice.
0: You're coming and going a bit, Dan.
1: Sorry. I was saying, yeah, you know, there was a show which was all right. And then it was pretty tiresome, but if you love that kind of thing. I guess I'm just a bit of an old cynic.
0: Indeed. Yeah. Uh, and then they had the Copa America presentation in front of some of those fans afterwards as well, which was, it uh, was nice to see messy in tears. Uh, the squad bouncing around Paulo Dybala, I guess, hoping that nobody was going to no- notice that he didn't really play any part in the Copa America win. Therefore, why should he be there? But everybody seemed to be having fun. That's the main thing.
1: Yeah, I was begrudge him. it.
0: Um, The other qualifiers, just looking at, you know, the other matches that didn't involve Argentina, the most eyebrow-raising results uh, were that... uh, Colombia were very close indeed, if I remember rightly, to getting a win in La Paz. Bolivia needed an 83rd-minute equaliser against them to rescue a point, which... In you know, obviously Bolivia, a good as
1: well. In both of them, a very good goals. Roger Martinez was great, mm. and Fernando
0: Salcedo. I want to say. Uh, Hang on a second. I've just I've just flicked off the nice. the details of that one. It is it is Fernando. Yeah, yes. yes, well done. Um, in the second round of games, the main result there was another Bolivia match, four two to Uruguay in Montevideo. So that's slightly less surprising, obviously. Um, and then the others were. Yeah, no, everything else really went to, uh, as you'd expect in the the next round, didn't it? Paraguay beat Venezuela at home. Uruguay narrowly beat Ecuador at home. Colombia got a 3-1 win over Chile. Argentina, as we've mentioned, beat Bolivia. And Brazil won 2-0 over Peru. So the standings in World Cup qualification in South America. Dan's already mentioned the top two. Brazil with maximum points from eight matches, 24. Argentina with eight, eight matches played have 18 points. Uruguay. Uh, The other teams, of course, have all played nine already. Uruguay have 15 points. Ecuador have 13. Colombia, currently in the playoff spot below Ecuador on goal difference. They have 13. Paraguay have 11. Peru, 8. Chile, 7. Bolivia, 6. Venezuela, 4. So it's not quite as tight as it was uh, when we recorded prior to the World Cup qualifiers. Obviously, because three matches have been played since then. Um, But it is still... It's still very tight. I mean, there's not an awful lot to choose really between Uruguay, Ecuador, Colombia, Paraguay, um, from what I've seen. And Peru need to start putting a couple of wins together, I think, quite soon um, if they're not going to get cut adrift a bit. They, You know, yeah. they got the win over Venezuela. They then played Brazil. So it's away, a which is never the, the kindest uh, fixture, obviously. Um But they've got the next three matches are at home to Peru, uh, at home to Chile. Sorry, away to Bolivia, which isn't easy, uh, and then away to Argentina. And I would really like to see them qualify for the World Cup again, but they're going to have an uphill struggle after those those three matches, I suspect.
1: Yeah, they need to start scoring goals. Really, that's been Mm. the big problem. I think they only got only got one one against Uruguay to draw and. And obviously, against Brazil, nothing. They squeezed past Venezuela. Um, didn't really look very dy- dynamic at all. Didn't have much uh, much danger in front of goal. Um, I think the return of Paulo Guerrero, who played at least against Venezuela off the bench, I can't remember the other games, is going to be a big boost. It's um, you know, so important to Peruvian football. Yeah. Um, I mean, they got the talent. It's it's not a bad team. Which, you know, we saw how they fed in the Copa America, getting to the semi-finals. Like, very very decent balanced team, but they've got one weakness. It's it's up front without Guerrero. Like, they just find have that much firepower, and and with so many matches, and you know, finishing finishing, you know, like one one goal difference or two goals at most. I mean, it makes a huge huge impact in. In, in South African football, the qualifiers, being able to, to call on, you know, Colombia managed to get forward scoring, scoring. Um, Uruguay had a, a goal from Garraqueta, um, from Pareto, even though they were without Luis Suarez, Edison Cavani, like, you need these guys to step up because, you know, it's a very long season, you can have guys injured, you can have people suspended or, you know, banned from, from leaving England. Um, and that's what it comes down to, really, um, well, I thought it was, yeah, especially, I think, what was it, the, the last round of games was was quite entertaining. The Colombia match was very entertaining. Uh, Argentina, Bolivia, of course, and Brazil, Peru are fairly processional um, affairs. Uh, Uruguay and Ecuador looked as nailed on a 0-0 draw as you've ever seen until the very last minutes. Um, you know, it's unpredictable. I think uh, Uruguay haven't been... We were near their best over this last year, but they are still in Furbel with a pretty decent record so far. Uh, Ecuador looked like they're back after a pretty torrid um, qualification phase last time. Uh, Colombia are there or thereabouts, despite all their problems. Um, lot, Yeah, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, still nine games to go, so a lot. So, I mean, can we roll up Bolivia and Venezuela already? Time off. I had. A look, I remember the last, uh, the last recording we had. I had a bit of um, faith in Venezuela, and and look what happened. Three very very convincing defeats in a row, uh, and I think it's going to be hard to come back from that. Costa and Chile as well are looking really really tired, really kind of clueless, um, but definitely out of that top six.
0: Yeah, Chile Seven,
1: possibly top eight. You'd have to twist one for Chile. Uh, everything's played. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Ch- Chile are, are a funny one. Funny one. We've we've talked a lot about how just how old and I mean you know how how experienced and how many caps a lot of the Chilean players have won. But by you know what that means, I think is is that they've got a generation of players coming through who aren't even in all cases especially young, um, and who have very very little experience of international football because they've carried on giving. Alexis Sanchez and Mauricio Isla and Arturo Vidal and Eduardo Vargas caps for such a long time that the guys that they need to be replacing them now are coming in, and you've got, you know, Ben Britton coming in up front, no disrespect to Ben Britton. Um, but he's very much a newcomer to international football, and you know, you've got other guys coming through. Whoever's going to be replacing Isla at uh, right back, for instance, is just has has very, very little experience indeed of the demands of international football um and yeah i mean obviously we're not a chilean football podcast there are chilean football podcasts available or at least the south american football show um who would probably be able to give you a more clued in idea of, of what chile's problems are but i'd be surprised if that's not mentioned as one of them um just the the lack of experience that that the new guys have got even at, in some cases you know as I say, they're not it's not as if they're all teenagers. You know, some of them are getting towards their mid twenties already and have like six caps, um, which is not ideal. Anyway, I think this is the time that we shall take a short half time break. Dan's got a penalty shootout to watch, uh, because Racing versus Godoy Cruz in the Copa Argentina has just finished three uh, three and is currently.
1: And I haven't watched any of
0: it. So. Indeed, yeah. Uh, it's it's currently 2 2 in the shootout after two kicks each as well. So um, I'll let Dan finish watching the shootout. And when we come back, we will talk a bit about how the rest of Argentine domestic football's been going since we last recorded. And Dan may or may not be sounding over the moon uh, or right down in the dumps.
1: About a, a of
0: the, uh, oh, of course you would be, Dan. Don't pretend you don't care. Anyway, here's some music. Don't go away. Welcome back. You join us with Rassing's dreams of winning the Copa Argentina once again in tatters at the feet of one of their opponents, in this case, Godoy Cruz, uh, who advanced. They will play Tigre in the quarterfinal. Uh, they've just won 5-4 five, five, in the shootout. So well done, Godoy Cruz, and commiserations, down.
1: Yeah, what are you going to do?
0: Uh, the main focus, of course, is going to be in the league now for this second bit of the podcast and in the league. I, I think it's fair to say that we're still slightly surprised to report that just as they were last time we recorded, if I remember rightly, Tascheres are still setting the pace.
1: Yeah, they've uh, been very good, I think, since we recorded. Did we decide there being been three rounds since we last recorded?
0: Yes, there have been three rounds, yes. Yeah. Rounds 10, uh, 11 and 12.
1: And they were, they were coming off the back of four straight victories when we last recorded. And... Yeah, they, they
0: were held nil-nil by Patronato um, very shortly after we last recorded. Um, they then got a 2-1 win at home to Platense. And then this weekend, uh, just gone. Well, we're on Wednesday night already, aren't we? So this last weekend, um, they, of course, they, they beat Racing 2-1 in Abe
1: yeah, I must say this is a cracking way to start this section of the podcast with two straight Racing defeats in the space of 30 seconds. Uh, but you have to say that just like tonight where Golo Cruz you know, uh, were leading almost the entire match and then came to the penalties, uh, win back on Saturday, I think it was, uh, entirely deserved. Um, they scored two fantastic goals via Michael Santos. And Enzo Diaz, really good goals um, kind of at the start of the first half and the end of the second half, yes. Uh, Racing were just lucky, ready to be in the chase because um, it's basically about two minutes towards the end of the first half. Tashid has received a very soft red card for Hector Ferdoli, who's actually a Racing player and his favourite as um, and then an, an even softer penalty, which was converted by Lisandro Lopez. Uh, so just being in the game, at all was pretty fortunate for Racing, and uh, unfortunately for Racing, justice was served in the end. Um, it, oh, I think I need to drive at Racing too much. Um, they've basically just been terrible over the course of this uh, pod hiatus, as they were before. Uh, let's talk about Tashiris because they've been really, really good, like playing, you know, they're not the most of teams uh, not a huge amount of star power in there but they know what they they need to do, they're very direct they, they use the whole pitch, they get forward and and they score some very decent goals if, uh, mm. if Saturday's games any, um, any other beats the other
0: Yeah, they have and and. Uh, reasonable unspectacular but reasonable amount of them as well they've scored 18 uh in 12 matches which is one and a half a game and when you've got a nice tight defense as they have they've not got the best defense in the league but they're not uh, by any means conceding too many um then yeah that's best
1: defense is
0: <laughs> indeed yeah yeah it's a, it's not as if racing are completely and totally um incompetent on all all measures but they just I mean tonight we've seen them draw 3-3 three, three, right in order to score goals you seem to have to push forward so much that you're also going to end up conceding a bunch of them
1: yeah essentially that is the problem um, it's a team that just you know it's ideally ecosystem is the is the nil nil draw and anything mm-hmm. that kind of alters that makes them very very uncomfortable indeed.
0: yeah whereas Tacheres have been very effective indeed in just doing enough to make sure that those draws are turned into wins um, they in between uh, the the nil nil that we mentioned in in round ten against Patronato and this win over uh, Rassing, they got a two one win over Platense as well in which Ferdoni scored funnily enough um, Platense got an equaliser quite shortly afterwards and then not very much longer after that Tashera got a second so they're just they're very good at sort of just keeping their opponents at arm's length and um, and seeing out the wins that that they need to keep racking up it's uh, it's an ongoing good campaign for them um, in second position now gaining a little bit of ground I think since we last recorded as we hinted that they might uh, River who are two points behind Tacheres five goals ahead of them in goal difference because they've conceded the same number they've conceded nine um, each and uh, River are now the top scorers in the league with 23 goals for their results since we last recorded have been a 1-1 draw at home to Independiente, a 4-1 win over Newell's, which was very impressive indeed, especially in the last uh, well, the second half really, but particularly the last uh, half hour was when three of River's goals came um, and they just blew Newell's away Um, and then they got at the weekend, I've forgotten already, ah yes, that was right, they huffed and puffed rather more and they got a 1-0 win over Arsenal, um, which wasn't a particularly good match to watch. Actually, it wasn't a, a very pretty one, but um, they they no, did I enough mean, for
1: in it. Rivers' defence, it could have ended up four or five nil because couldn't get the ball in the onion burger. say um, and as the minutes went on, and Arsenal kind of went further and further back, and a real slug uh, looked like it was going to be another chasing, dropping. Stupid points against. Pretty much, we can all agree that Atalanta are about the worst of a pretty mediocre division. Mm. I think pretty
0: no, well, they are bottom still, as they were when we last recorded as well, and they've got the second worst defense in the league as well. Um, so you might have expected River, especially coming off the back of that four-one against Newell's, to uh, to have beaten them more soundly. But these last two matches. Um, not just for River, of course, but for everybody, rounds 11 and 12, were played just a few days apart because um in the weekend a week and a half ago, there were, there were no matches because of the election, well, primaries uh here in Argentina, which um are run like elections, which means you can't have any fun on the weekend of the primary slash election. And that meant that the 11th round of matches was all played in midweek, immediately followed by the 12th round. And I think there's some of that fed into to rivers games as well because I think they had a game on Thursday and a game on Sunday if I remember rightly uh, they might have just been a little bit leggy. Um, in third, I'm going to say, let's go joint third. In fact, they're they're separated by goal difference, but in third level on points with 23 each are Estudiantes and Lanús. Um, Jose Sand is still banging banging them in for Lanús, isn't he? I think he's dried he's... up a
1: little bit.
0: He scored against Sarmiento in round 10 in a 1 1 draw. And since then, let's see, uh, ah, his, his
1: teammate who's young
0: enough to be his son, Lopez, uh, got the winner against the Independiente and, uh, in a 1 0 away win. And then Lanús lost to one to Newells and Lopez scored again. So, yeah, San hasn't scored in two matches now. If he manages to score in Lanús's right. next match, he will be the oldest player in the history of the Argentine top flight to score a goal. He'll take his own record. We might have mentioned this once or twice already this season.
1: <laughs> once um, uh,
0: Have you caught much of a Estudiantes, though, Dom?
1: I haven't. I must admit um, I don't know why maybe because they going to play on, on Mondays or just because i get got bored of watching so much football. I think, wasn't Papadana, the Paparanta game when I mean, there's something like one o'clock
0: in the afternoon, uh, It might have been earlier. It was on Sunday, so it wasn't the 11 o'clock kickoff. Was there an 11 o'clock kickoff? No, I thought they are doing 1.30. It might have been, yeah, uh, that sounds right. Yeah, much earlier than than normal. If I'm watching football at that time of day on a Sunday, then it's normally a European match rather than an Argentine match, to be honest.
1: Yes, it's like this. Um, no, so I don't have much um, much idea of what Estudiantes have been doing, but whatever it is, it seems to be working. Um everyone are on a pretty decent run of form I don't think they played a huge one. Oh, they played games against Independiente, Boca, Cacheres. Yes, I mean the games they've lost against Independiente, you know, another thing. Up there at the top, Ashieris obviously top. They've got some fairly gentle fixtures coming up against like Plaquense, Racing, and Central. So they could definitely pick up a few points there and a little bit of demand after that any of those teams are really setting the world on fire so I could definitely put uh, a few results together it's been so well and seem to be do the same but not that I know what it is
0: no indeed uh, at the other end of the table obviously we've mentioned that Arsenal are rock bottom and the only team I was going to say the only team with negative um, double points, negative goal difference, but in fact, I've just looked, and there are only two teams in the league who've got double points in their goal, uh, double digits in their goal difference column at all. Um, and those teams are River, who have a goal difference of plus 14, and Arsenal, who have a goal difference of minus 14. Um, so that gives you an idea of just how bad Arsenal's defence is. Uh and, and again, highly surprising in many ways that, that River only managed to put one goal past them. Um, but almost as far down the table, with only two points more than Arsenal, are uh, Banfield. Now, I have to confess to not really having much of a clue what Banfield are doing that far down the table. Since we last recorded, they have drawn nil nil with Racing. They have lost 2-1 to Rosario Central in a match that I saw, I think. Uh, yes, I remember this. Uh, they went one nil up quite early on, and then Marco Ruben scored twice once fairly shortly before half time and then once really quite close to full time um to get the winner uh and They then drew nil nil with defensa y justicia It looks to me just looking at i mean a those results and b looking at the uh the results they've had on the league table overall that They're not doing that badly at avoiding defeat, but they are drawing far too many matches. They have got one win, seven draws, and four losses so far uh, in this season. You've got to go up to 18th place Durakam before you find a team who've lost fewer matches than them. Um, Everybody from 19th place Sarmiento down to 26th place Arsenal has lost at least one game and normally two or three games more than Banfield. Um, But they can't turn draws into wins. They can't do what we've just mentioned, Tacheres, um, are very, very good at doing.
1: Yeah, it's a funny one too because the start of the year, at least, um, very good meet. They actually finished uh, second to Bocco in Copa Madalona. Remember that far back?
0: Oh, yeah. I've forgotten about that. Uh, I
1: think they got to penalty break. Yeah. Uh, so they really ran Bocco close and then they had a, an average... Copa de la Liga, again, lose many games there. Um, and this time, it's, it's just not, not happened for them. Um, again, this team, I haven't watched a whole load of submit apart from the game racing a couple of weeks ago, which I think was absolutely terrible. Uh, let me see if I can get up. I think between the two, they uh, almost didn't muster a single shot on target and um, that was the first game after doing our hiatus yeah um we yeah, had a few shots we just didn't get it in and they managed four shots on target to racing's two but well, i think any of those were particularly um, perilous if my memory isn't failing me and possibly just a lack of you know again the lack of um the killer touch in front of goal and the main, main striker is Juan Cruz. I think he's uh, Julio Cruz's son, right? Yes, he is, yeah. Yes. Um, and he doesn't seem to have the score in touch yet. Um,
0: no, he, he doesn't take after his dad in the penalty box.
1: No, I mean, there's no serious um, danger for Banfield at the moment. They're fairly comfortable when it comes to the film to worry about relegation just yet. are right next to each other on the average points relegation chart for now. I
0: I can't see them. ah oh, yes, I can. Yeah, they're 17th and 18th in the average table um, respectively. but uh, largely, because, oh no, okay, yeah, it sort of balances out, wasn't it? The Banfield's 2020 standing is much worse, but then Arsenal's 2021 standing so far is much worse. Obviously, there are, there are no relegations at the end of this season, um, but that's just, that's what it looks like at the moment. Um, and then the teams who are really in trouble in that standing, if it were to, if there were relegations at the end of this year, would be, for the most part, the teams that we've mentioned already, from Sammy and Don downwards, who are have all lost more matches than Banfield. Sarmiento are down there. Oracana down there. Aldo City bottom. Platense. Patronato. So nothing particularly uh, really to report there. Particularly exciting. I think that it's time, Daniel, if you agree, to go on to listeners' questions.
1: Yes, let's. I think we've heard
0: you. I shall just get them up on my telephone once it loads. This is the right account that the browser's logged into already? No, it's not. So I'm going to have to swap. Bear with me a second. Okay, let's see what questions we have had from you, lovely people, this week. Um, so that's from the seventh of September, which is since we last recorded, I think. Yes, it is. So let's begin with. Oh, where's it gone? Rob Fitzpatrick, who says, "I know that you answered this on the pod about teams who've surprised you, but if a new fan came to the league this year and wanted a tactically interesting club to watch." Would you go with Medinas Tacheres or someone else?
1: Uh, yeah, Tacheres aren't a bad bet. Uh, Lenus can be interesting. They've got some mm. decent young players. That always, you know, despite the fact they're not setting the world on fire, I think uh, Vele is always uh, decent value for money. They've got some very dangerous players. Yawai um, seems to be coming through now after a fairly shaky start to the season. Um, Luca Orechano, another guy who's doing well there. And and obviously, you know, River are the team in in Primera who create the most and usually score the most chances. Last game uh, accepted. Uh, Apart from that, you know, if you like seeing a really old and really young strike partnership, Lanos is the team to watch. Um, Ah, keep an eye on Tacheres. Uh, I, was, I was unphilicially
0: surprised for how they played last Saturday. Yeah, Tacheres are the obvious choice and uh, Vélez were going to be my tip as well. Um, they're, they're only sort of upper mid-table but when they play well, which they do probably every maybe every other match or every three matches or so, um, they're generally very worth watching indeed. Um, or, they have, yeah. They, they. I seem to remember they got off to quite a good start, didn't they? But it's not been so have. good.
1: No, I even wrote a very complimentary uh, article on Fernando Gago as a coach, um, which is probably why things have gone so bad afterwards. Um, yeah, they started the season with four wins, two defeats in the draw. They were right up there, I think, top five or top six. And they have now lost their last five games, including a one 4-1 a
0: home defeat uh, by the Bruce. Yeah, and a 3-2 uh, defeat to Bellis, uh this past weekend, which was an entertaining game, but um, probably not from an Aldo City point of view. No. Uh, Nima Tavale Ruzzari says, do you think it was or will be a mistake that Christian Romero signed for Tottenham?
1: Um Nima that talking from point of, view rather than talking point of view
0: Yes, I would I I'm I'm guessing that it that that's the case. I, and I can only presume that he's uh having a bit of a joke about Spurs being a, a club who ruined players. Um I'm all for that. But, but I, I, I think, think I mean I I think it could work out very well from both sides point of view I'm, I'm not sure how how what kind of start he's got off to in the Premier League because I've not seen Spurs yet um, it's been a bit disrupted hasn't it but, I mean he signed relatively late if I remember rightly and obviously he's been away from World Cup qualifying since then but as long as he picks up the language and doesn't struggle to settle too much I can't see any reason why why I he can't do well
1: on the weekend when uh, they lost 3-0 to
0: Chelsea at home. Oh, okay. Well, that's a fairly nice inauspicious idea. start, isn't
1: it? But, I mean, he was playing alongside Eric Dier, centre-back, so... Um, difficult, difficult first match, I think, against the European champions, who were in very good form.
0: Indeed, yeah. Um, don't get me wrong, as, as a Man United fan, you know, I'd, I'd love to have him, but um, I, I think he can settle well. and I think if, you know, give him time and, and he should come good. He's, he's obviously a brilliant defender. So um, Frank oh, yeah. says, uh, thanks to your pod, I've been following Argentine football for five or six years now, despite missing the dulcet tones of Australian Dan. And as a relative newbie to the league, I've chosen Lanús and Racing, but can't decide which way to support. Any tips to sway me? I'd, I mean, we're not going to get an entirely unbiased opinion here, but Dan?
1: Oh, as I said for the, for the last... Um... Answer it just, you know, depends what you're looking for um, or from a club. Um, if you like really young and really old strike partnerships and <laughs> eternal kind of hope followed by disappointment, you can go for Lionel's. Um If you want to see really, really terrible football week in, week out, <laughs> with the promise that it will probably get a little bit better somewhere down the line when they get the shit together.
0: Uh, A d- fair and even-handed um, assessment there. Tasheres...
1: No,
0: <laughs> Tasheres English says, no question, but please mention that Tasheris is about to inaugurate what is going to be one of the top three high-performance training centres in Argentina next month. I was not aware of this, so thank you very much indeed for informing us. Stan, did you know about this? I did not. There we go. That that's bear in mind that we're both in Buenos Aires, so we don't exactly get the news from any other cities in the country because why would the Buenos Aires media tell us what's going on? Um, so thank you very much indeed for letting us know. Uh Sean McGinley says any fanatis compatible build-up or highlight shows that are worth a watch for the league or for South American football in general? Um I mean, I don't have fanatists, so I, I don't know what highlight shows they offer. I do know that the league has, it's not really a show, but if you've got the patience to click through their entire YouTube channel each weekend, they do upload some very short highlights, I think, of each of the matches, at least the goals and one or two talking points. Um, I believe without commentary on them still. Uh, so that's one thing to go for. Dan, are you aware of any, any others?
1: Uh, just like you, I have no idea if it would be available on Fanatic or otherwise. Although I have a feeling that they do carry some stuff from this channel uh, from Teaser Teaser Sports. Uh, Pass a is always um, entertaining watch. Kind
0: of yeah, sports. that is one behind of
1: the better ones. The game, yeah. Behind the so scenes, has some very very fun player interviews. Not so much fan interviews, obviously uh, at the moment, but. Um, a little bit different and kind of um, probably the most complete uh, overview of the weekend you
0: uh, you'll Yeah, it does depend where you are because I think that um, I think that they, they carry say live as a channel that you can just watch as if you were in Argentina if you're in the United States but I'm not sure about other countries and Sean from a quick look at his uh, Twitter profile seems to be in Preston in England so have a look Sean have a play around with the channels and I'm afraid for the other leagues in south america absolutely no idea sorry um australian dan has replied to the tweet asking about lanus or racing and says my two cents i'm fond of both of those clubs but perhaps the colors should sway you since you're from new south wales um liam kelly who is no relation to me says just a coincidence is it just a coincidence that fans are allowed back in stadiums in time for the super classico Regardless, it's good to see the COVID situation improving. And is there any update on the Brazil-Argentina fiasco? Will there be better planning in place out of the upcoming triple header? So the second and third of those questions we've obviously answered or given our opinions on um, earlier on. Uh, The other one is going to be a topic for, this is a good chance to plug it, so thank you for giving me the opportunity, Liam, for Handapod Extra uh, this week. If you want to listen to Hand of Pod Extra, then get on over to patreon.com slash hand of pod and decide how much money you'd like to throw at us each month. Um, but briefly,
1: I, th- I think, th-
0: yeah. I think in, in a way it's a coincidence and in a way it's not, if that makes sense. Uh, the the I mean, decision has
1: been talked about for a while, right?
0: Yeah, it, it's been a it's target. Been before yeah.
1: Before the season started, yeah. It was a target.
0: Um, and obviously the, the Bolivia match, as we mentioned earlier, in the World Cup qualifiers, there were fans there. Uh, the Monumental was used, and I think it was 30% capacity, um, and that was seen as a bit of a pilot event. It, it was very much CONMEBOL mandated, I think. They, CONMEBOL wanted to have fans at... They, they wanted all of the teams involved in that triple header to play a home match in front of fans at some point, point. Uh, and I think that that happened... I think I'm right in saying everybody managed it. Um but the Argentine government decided to make it a bit of a pilot scheme as well. And yeah, obviously the super classico as you've uh, quite correctly spotted Liam is a big point of um you know it, it it's the one to aim for it is what the Argentine football calendar is built around domestically speaking. Um so, yeah, it makes, it made more sense for them to do that than for them to go, well, let's see whether we could bring fans back into stadiums two weeks after it's played or whatever. Um, so, yeah, and we will talk about the rest of the COVID situation. I'm mentioning this to Liam because I'm pretty sure he is one of our Patreon supporters as well. Um, that will be a, a topic of discussion on Handapod Extra this week. Um, and Santi, who refused scurrilously to record with us this week, um, or alternatively, if you prefer, he, he was unavailable to record this week, but he was only able to confirm his unavailability quite late on, said, is el equipo del traductor the best chant ever? I'm not sure what that means.
1: Uh, I believe this is in reference to... Well, my girlfriend's looking
0: round at me, though, because she heard me read that one out, and she is a translator. So.
1: <laughs> it, it could be for you, Ali, if you're listening. Why not? I mean, I don't know if Sam... Just goes around the house chanting it randomly, but yeah,
0: I, I will do from now on. Uh, fill us in on what it means, though, Dan. I mean, not yes. not what it obviously. I know what it means, but fill us in on why it's become a chant.
1: I mean, I'm I'm gleaning this from context because the match in which I assume Santi's just heard it, I had on mute for obvious reasons. Um, uh, Golo Cruz's newish coach, Diego Flores. um... He before coming to Borregrus, one of his jobs was uh, as Marcelo Bielsa's translator.
0: Oh yeah, we mentioned this, didn't we? Uh, when he got the I job a few it, weeks yeah. ago, I've completely forgotten. Yeah,
1: and um, so I'm guessing the Asigados who managed to uh, you know, to break their way into tonight's Copa Argentina match, they must have been um, must have been singing that. And and he's made a decent impression so far. I don't know if you've seen his uh, results.
0: Sam. Uh I can't remember. Did he take charge just as we were last recording?
1: Yes, Yeah, so team his team
0: results team so team far team. in that case have been a 4-0 over Gymnasia A I'm Four going one through these Donald as we 4-1 away to Aldo Cibi, yeah, and a where are they there? A one-one draw with Sarmiento prior to this three-three draw plus five-four penalty shootout win over Racing. So that is eight, nine. Twelve goals scored in four matches. That's not bad going at all, is it? A real
1: yes, a disciple.
0: Yes, he'd be proud, uh, wouldn't he?
1: That you see, that football message wasn't lost in translation.
0: No, indeed. Um, Very good. Well done, Daniel. Um, I assume that we'll record next week, so why not go before we? Those are all the questions, by the way. Um, Before we wrap up, let's go for a quick round of Mystic Sam. Okay, this week's weekend's matches are as follows and will go as follows. San Armiento de Junín versus Vélez Sarsfield. I expect that one to be a win for beles Estudiantes should get a home win over Platense. Those are both on Friday night. On Saturday I think that Aldo versus Gimnasia will be a draw. Um, Oh wow, Aldo have only drawn one match so far this season. They've lost far too many of them. Uh, But I'm going to stick with that prediction anyway. Arsenal versus Lanús is going to be a Lanús win, let's face it. Banfield versus Atletico Tucumán is going to be an Atletico Tucumán win. Uh, Atletico Tucumán aren't that good, but Banfield are really not very good, as we mentioned. Oh, they do draw a lot, don't they? No, I've I've said it already now, so I'll I'll stick with it. Uh, Central Cordoba versus River will be a River win. On Sunday, Union versus Patronato, I think, will be a win for Union, who I believe have changed managers, uh, which Tony is rather happy about or in the process of changing manager I think they sacked the previous guy uh, yesterday or today so I'll go for them to get a win now he's gone San Lorenzo versus Defensa y Justicia is going to be a Defensa y Justicia win Independiente versus Godoy Cruz I mean we've just mentioned what a good job he's doing so we can't really go against that now can we Uh, we'll go for another win for El Equipo del Traductor Boca versus Colon I think is going to be a Boca win probably not a very pretty match though because one thing we haven't mentioned during this episode is that Boca have been involved in a succession of really quite dire to watch matches since we last recorded. Yeah. I think that that's a, a fair assessment yeah. Uh, and then on They are yes in the Copa Argentina against Patronato. Um might not bother watching this one i might put the Libertadores on instead uh and then on monday evening argentinos host racing and i think argentinos will win Ooh, Do i they're further down the league i'm going to go for a i'm going to go for a racing i'm going to go for a racing win in that one um racing to win that and then newells versus Huracan is one of the matches that you probably shouldn't bother watching they're both decidedly mid table, aren't they? Oh, well, or I can decidedly lower mid table. Newell's exactly in the middle of the table. Um, I think that that's going to be a draw. It's... Any thoughts on any of those predictions, Dan? Uh,
1: I've already forgotten all of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking more of you know along the lines of the games to definitely avoid. They're uh, yeah, I, I mean, um, I can see a
0: few. I, I, I've I'm sure you'll watch it, but I'm not going to be watching Argentinos racing. put it that way.
1: No, I wouldn't recommend that even to my, uh, my worst enemy. Um, basically, Monday, I don't know, go out, go out for the day, come back late, uh, do whatever you fancy, rather than turn on Argentine football and regret it. Um, you can also probably not bother getting up early on Sunday to watch Papua. And Papua will have a couple of hours more in bed. Uh, until three p.m. <laughs> um, I know Sam will probably um, take my advice. I don't know how. how no, less of that. I don't that I get up that it's late these days. Hours, I? No, so you uh, when
0: very after. very regular getting up time of around midday now.
1: Uh, so you'll be watching on your after this, so. No, of course not. Uh, I'll but you. I'll be out of bed. A full rundown, <laughs> a full report.
0: No, indeed. Uh, Boca versus Colon, as I say, kind of jumps out as one that I'm not particularly thrilled at the prospect of settling down on Sunday evening when the options are going to be, right, do we watch a film or continue watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine or something or do we watch Boca versus Colon? I think that's going to be a pretty short conversation. Um,
1: Yeah, at the other end of the spectrum, Alotivi Gymnasia could just uh, surprise a few people, because Alotivi. They tend to score and concede a lot of goals, and Granada, of course, has got the the man himself, Luis Miguel Rodriguez, who is always worth the entry. So that's not, you know, if you're looking for a very left field game to watch tonight uh, this weekend, yeah, you could do worse than Granada.
0: Yeah, although given the kickoff time, it is going to clash with some pretty big European matches, I presume. So you might want to um. <laughs> watch those instead. But we're really good at selling this league, aren't we? Uh, Independiente yeah, yeah. versus Godoy Cruz is my dark horse for most entertaining match because as Santi likes to point out to us, Independiente don't really score as many goals as they should, but they do like to try to play positive football, even if they're not that good at it. And, well, Godoy Cruz, we've just talked about how they're shitting goals at the moment. So um, And they concede plenty as well. <laughs> so there's, there's some potential in that one.
1: I'm not a bad choice.
0: Anyway, on that note, I think that we shall say thank you very much and goodbye uh, for now. Thanks for listening for another week. You'll be hearing from us at some point in the future. Hopefully it'll be next week if my throat holds up and is feeling better. Um, So for now, thanks and goodbye from English, Dan.
1: Goodbye.
0: And from me. Thank you and goodbye.